and welcome to Ladies Night here on ARG Presents. I'm your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who's absolutely in touch with his feminine side. I give you the Brent. Boink. There it is. He touched it. <laughs> so, if you joined us last week, uh, we spun the wheel. We made the, the interesting deal, if I may say. And this time out, Brent, we're going yeah. to be looking at, bam, girls games. Games yeah. that were marketed towards girls or ladies or women. Um, the female part of society. This is sort of out of our norm. We don't necessarily... Although we have touched on a few of the ladies' games in the past that were, you know, definitely marketed toward the ladies. Um, now, here's my question to you: Aaron. Yeah, what does it take to be qualified as a, a a ladies' game, a female marketed game? Well, often what you've got yeah, when you market these toward the ladies is, uh, uh, and uh, uh, especially back in our era, the retro era, it's often uh, l- licensed. Games that that were licenses that appealed uh, to uh, girls or ladies. And I'll, I'll go everything from back in the old days, the early Strawberry Shortcake, uh, the uh, My Little Pony, uh, all the way up to stuff like the Powderpuff Girls. Of course, all the many, many Barbie games. Uh, games like that. That's an easy touch. And so that's one that you often would get because it was connected with something that was already... Uh, uh, something that ladies like. And I would also say, like, a lot of the sing-along stuff, the dance stuff, would also be marketed uh, more toward the ladies. So, uh, so do you... I guess really what I'm asking is, do you think that um, the developers go in and say, listen, we are going to... Our number one focus is to sell this to women. To sell this to female, I, I yes, I think that, they, I think they plan ahead of time that they're going to go after the female market on some sure. of this stuff. And now, but, when you go outside of licensing, and I think this has become more blurred as the years have went on, but I mean, it still happens. Oh, Listen, absolutely. Often, ladies have different interests than um, than men, uh, or or uh, you know, any any uh, area, anyone can be interested in anything. Don't absolutely. get me wrong, you know, but. Uh, you it, there's especially in the old days there were definitely lines drawn between the two. Now it's funny to think of stuff that you would consider a game that was aimed at the ladies that was not a licensed game. Then you get into a more of a, a fuzzy area because a, a lot of it just depends on what you're into. There are games about gardening. There are games like The Sims that were popular with ladies. Were they necessarily marketed towards them? I don't know. Maybe. The Sims has a lot of stuff. That whole series has a lot of stuff like uh, interior decorating and fashion. Sure. And stuff is a big part of it. Uh, relationships and stuff. That stuff Did you that, like The Sims? I did play The Sims a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it was not necessarily my bag. Yeah, I, I enjoyed The Sims. Uh, my main thing that I enjoyed in The Sims was, was building the houses. Yeah. Building the architecture. Building a space that was supposed to appeal to my little virtual people. Yeah. Um... So I and was but do you think that was the focus of the Sims? Oh, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? I yeah. think I think the, uh, it there's a broad appeal to it, you know. Uh, but with all that said, uh, <clears throat> as the years have went on, one thing I've noticed is if you look back, and I noticed this when I did my uh, infamous Barbie stream. Barbie's been a big license for g- girls. Over the years, look like young girls. Sure. And the games uh, overall were absolute trash. I mean, they were no good. 
And not because uh, I don't like Barbie. Just I didn't think they were good games. And I wonder if maybe the ladies have been underserved uh, when it comes to the offerings that have been specifically made for them. Uh, but I will say well, I'm slightly changing my tune on that, but we'll get to that in a little while. All right. Now, with that established, yeah. Um, so you, you agree developers, usually when they start a project, they're going to say, okay, we're going to make a game that, we, that we're gearing towards female. I think sometimes right? they and, do, yeah. And when they do that, sometimes they hit the other, some other crowd, but, you know, they're, they're focused there. Right. And I don't know about today, but I can't say about today, but back in the retro days. Right, 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 right. We're all, we're speaking 20 years in the past at least. Um, I, I agree with that, right? But I think that your good developers uh, are smart enough to say, instead of saying, we're going to make this game for ladies, I, I think they have, I think they can say, we're going to make this aspect of the game for ladies to, to try to bring in a, a, the female crowd versus what we already have in our games. Yeah. I do think that's something that happens. I actually, I think that's more of a modern practice. Um, and I actually, I think a lot of things get removed from games to try to bring it into a, 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 a wider appeal. Um, but I, this was a very interesting topic. I did a lot of research on this. Yeah. And um, I have come to the conclusion that if you are a company and you are looking to appeal to a female audience, uh, you should probably have female people on staff. I would say yes. <laughs> I, I, I mean... You know, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think some games may be what people think the ladies want as opposed to what they really want. And, and when we get into my game, I, I can exp I'll explain that a little bit more. But it, it's, um, yeah, it, it's odd to see. Now, I, and I'm not claiming I could sit down and make a, per a, a perfect female game by any means, right? I, in fact, I know I couldn't. Yeah. But to hear what some people in the past, what their focus was for making a game that was supposed to be dedicated to the female audience, uh, it's degrading? I'm going to say it, it's a little bit degrading to to, re, to to find out what I found out. Well, uh, I, I, Maybe not. Maybe you'll have a different opinion on it. I'm very much looking forward to it. I think we should... Uh, we should definitely dive in, because I am very excited to it, it, get to my game. It was an interesting category, and I will say I went over uh, um, I went over a few games before I ended up picking the, the one I picked. I'll go ahead and lead the dance today. You know, um, our, our good buddy Happy Coding had mentioned a, a game to me called uh, Lilo and Stitch on the GBA. Okay. Uh, that, to give that a whirl. And I looked at it, and I tried it, but I wanted to play something, you know... <clears throat> As I mentioned, I, I, I did that the uh, Barbie stream, and so I looked at a ton of Barbie games, and also our good buddy Frodo NL uh, also did a big Barbie stream, and I watched. So we covered a lot of these Barbie games, and on the whole, most of these things were not good. And I thought to myself, there's got to be something out there that that's better. And so I listened to a podcast. I wish I could remember what it was. But the fellow's wife came on one time and talked about her love of the Nancy Drew game. Now I knew about Nancy Drew just because of the you know the book series, and I knew she'd had that they'd had a series about her, 
but I didn't know what it would be about, so I said, the heck with it. Let's give this a shot. But I didn't want to play the, anything on Windows, and I, so I ended up picking the only Nancy Drew game that was ever released on the GBA. They released oh, one. okay. And yeah. so I looked at Nancy Drew, Message in, uh, Message in a Haunted Mansion. Now, now one thing to note, yeah. this is Message in a Haunted Mansion. These right. Nancy Drew games will definitely share the same theme of haunted and message and mansion in many things, many yeah. titles. So you have to be because I almost played the wrong one. Yeah, well, this is the only one. You, <laughs> this is the if you're going to play it on the GBA, this is your only choice. That's what that's what ultimately caught me to pick the right yeah. one. Just to, just as a little because some people may not know who Nancy Drew is. I don't know how. I assume she's still fairly in the public consciousness, but when I was a kid. Uh, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys were well known. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. uh, Nancy Drew made her, and Nancy Drew's a fictional character, made her first appearance in a book called The Secret of the Old Clock from 1930. Uh, was a uh, was The story was created by someone named Ed uh, uh, Stratemeyer, and it basically was a girl or female detective. And, I, and Nancy Drew has changed many, many times over the years. And, and, and so that's something to get into. So, uh, uh, the creator had a uh, book series, a very popular book series called Absolutely. The Hardy Boys, mm-hmm. and I don't mean the tag team. No. <laughs> and they, they also appeared way, way back in the early 1900s, and so they had many, many uh, uh, books about mysteries, the Hardy Boys and the Secret of the Old Cave and the Secret of this, and the, you know, blah, blah. And it was just a, it was like a, a light reading story set for young men to follow the Hardy Boys on these mysteries. Correct. And so he decided, hey, I need a I need a girl character so I can maybe appeal to that to those ladies. And so lo and behold, here comes the Nancy Drew Mysteries. Uh and uh the he they read books under the Nancy Drew uh mysteries line until two thousand three with hundred and seventy five novels and I I'm sure after that they Ooh. went to a whole different listen, they cranked out these mystery books. I <laughs> I knew there were a lot, but holy cow. Right. The funny thing is, uh, the the books changed over the years, and and, uh, and and they evolved. And sometimes Nancy Drew would be a, a young girl. In the early ones, there was like violence and stuff, but they really t- toned them down in like the in like the sixties, and they made them shorter. They gave they fleshed Nancy Drew out, and then as as the years have went on, all of a sudden Nancy Drew has a cell phone. Now she's a young girl detective. Now she's a, a teen detective. She's been up and down the map. She's also uh, there's been all sorts of movies and TVs, yes. shows uh, with Nancy Drew with various degrees of success. And amongst the things that were made uh, uh, from the Nancy Drew series are uh, an outfit called uh, Her Interactive, H-E-R, did 30 video games uh, based on the book series. Now, whoa! And so, and yeah, a lot. I mean, listen, they've got a list of people that cite Nancy Drew as inspiration and you've got uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, uh, Sonia Sotomayor, uh, Cl- uh, Hillary Clinton, Laura Bush. These are people that were inspired by those books. I mean, they, clearly Nancy Drew was something, someone uh, that was read by a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. The Drew inspiration. Yeah. And you've got to also think that when the Nancy Drew books are around, there may not have been as much stuff targeted as young girls in that era. And so this probably was a you know huge, uh, huge uh, outlet. Yeah, huge outlet. Yeah. So with all that in mind, and uh, what I know of Nancy Drew, I, I I'm not a reader by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But uh, 
uh, I've always, just from a layman's perspective, I've always seen Nancy Drew as a competent uh, young detective, yeah, teen detective, yeah. So I, I think the I think that's a that's a wonderful role model, especially for your youths and stuff. So the youths, I, <laughs> I think that uh, uh, definitely a positive, way more positive than say like a Barbie or yeah. a, a, a even like a Jim. <laughs> Why you're really stretching with that one? So with all that said. I endeavored to play this game on the GBA. Now, yes. you know, I go into these things cold. Uh, and so I, when I first started this up, I was trepidatious. I will say that, again, this was uh, Nancy Drew message in a haunted mm. mansion uh, developed by her interactive and, he- and handheld games, the GBA. It's just two different outfits. And published by Dream Catcher, not the guy, the outfit, uh, spelled Catcher. Uh, released November 24th, uh, 2000 on the PC, and a year later on the GBA. Now, get this, and th- you may not. this may not mean much to you. You may be asking yourself, well, who programmed this? Uh, if you're a ZX Spectrum fan or know anything about the old days, this game was entirely programmed by Jim Bagley. That's right, Jim Bagley. Now, I don't know if you know who that is, I do Brent, not, no. But oh, let's put it this way. Jim Bagley is still working right now, was instrumental in the uh, ZX Next. Uh, he, he did Baggers in Space, Warhawk. These are all recent. Uh, scr- scramble for the Z- uh, ZX Next. He was responsible for Jim Bagley's ZX81 Racing. But, I mean, if you go down the list, I've got a long list of all the stuff he did. It's long. He did, he did all kinds of stuff on the ZX Spectrum. You know, I'm talking... And, and on the Amstrad, uh, Hudson Hawks, Midnight Resistance, Cabal, Red Heat. Uh, he did Batman on the Amstrad. Uh, he did World Class Leaderboard on the Spectrum. I mean, this guy's done tons. So if you can believe that, uh, uh, th- and this guy did most, of, a lot of stuff. He does all the programming. He did it all on this. So this guy's a, a literal legend, yeah, Brent, yeah, when it comes to stuff. I know it, it's mind-blowing. And trust me, this was not, I had no idea this guy programmed this when I picked this. I about fell out of my chair when I was reading this. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, Jim Bagley. So the Bagman was responsible for this uh, version. Of course, he also, I looked on his website, he's also responsible for programming languages and architectures on a lot of the GBA stuff that he just developed the architecture for that you could use. So he, did a, he did a lot of He did a lot of conversions to the GBA, including like IK Plus uh, was one that he did. Uh, he, he did Dragon's Lair Port. He's done a bunch of stuff, which uh, is awesome. Yeah, he, he he's done a lot of stuff, so a, a real big deal there. Uh, the director on this was Thomas L. Fesser. And, uh, the, again, a, a guy who did a lot of these games, and the designer was Kevin Smith, not the famous one. So what in God's name is this? So what this is, you are Nancy Drew, and you are going through. Uh, your friend has bought a, a, a Victorian mansion in San Francisco, okay? Uh, and she's bought it along with one of her friends. They co-own it, and they're renovating it uh, to make a bread, bed and breakfast. They've invited Bar- uh, they've invited Nancy Drew down because they've had a series of accidents, uh, and they they're hoping Nancy can help them figure out what's going on. And uh, one of the, the one of the co-owners uh, that Nancy isn't as familiar with as her friend thinks that the house is haunted. Yeah, and so your job is to just sort of go through the house. And see what's going on. The funny thing about this is, this is set up just like any uh, uh, or most 
like modern at the time uh, point and click games. Yes, it's, it's a game where you first person point and click. Right, it's a game where you are in. You don't ever really see Nancy Drew. You just see you're in her head basically, and you walk through this mansion uh, using uh, the the uh, Game Boy's controls, and you uh, have like a cursor on the screen that you can use to look for stuff or to manipulate stuff. Now. You may ask yourself, wait a minute, uh, uh, Aaron, this sounds un- unyielding uh, and uh, tough. It's not that bad. I was actually surprised how well it worked. Uh, now, c- would this have been a smoother experience on Windows? I'm going to get this out of the way right now. <laughs> yes. The Windows version of this is, uh, is uh, better. Yeah. It's got better control, and it's got better Voice graphics. Acting. It's, got, it's got a lot of stuff this one doesn't have. However... It's not like you could take your Windows machine and put it in the car. So this would be perfect to uh, play on the run. Now, uh, you start off your investigation. They sort of plunk you into the mansion and turn you loose. And so what you're doing is navigating through the mansion uh, using the cursor, which will turn into an arrow, and it'll tell you where you're going to go. And you sort of It's sort of like uh, single-screen scrolls. You, there's no real scrolling. It just sort of... It, it just... Uh, transition. That's it's all right, transition to the next screen. Yeah. Uh, and you're and so you've also got a few other tools that date this, which is are great. Uh, at any time in the game, you can flip open your uh, flip phone and you can dial three of your different pals. Really four, because two of them are together, a couple. And you can just chat with them. And so, so like for example, when you open it the first time, you can do this anytime you want. And I think part of the reason I think they did this was that, that maybe I don't. I thought it was to give you hints. But I never read anything on the that phone was that useful. helped me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, but it was. It is still okay if you get bored or you feel lonely. I'm serious. You could you could open your phone up and call these people and talk to them, tell them what's going on, and their conversations update as you go through the game. So, like, if you just if you just found something incredible, you could be like, hey, you know, I just found something incredible. Like, oh, that's great, you know. And then sometimes when you've caught them too much, like, listen, we can't talk. So occasionally you'll call people up and be like, I got to go. Aaron, yeah. If you're so bored that you're calling virtual people inside your Nancy Drew DBA game, please seek professional help. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying it's there. Now, the other thing that I really enjoy is is, is Nancy's PDA because yeah. you got to have one of those. And well, it's useful. Uh, the PDA in this, they did a very clever thing, and I, this is like the first time it's been done, but it still works. Anytime you find information that is pertinent to the game. It saves it on the PDA, so you can sort of flip through and find out all the stuff you've done because there's a lot of stuff going on, and it helps to go back and look at what's happened. Absolutely. Now, um, I will say, the dialogue in this game, which is all text, is not so good. It, it, uh, it's it's real sort of generic. All right, it's not like it, it's real riveting read. Okay, man, I disagree with that. All right, go ahead. I, I think they do well to keep the plot moving. I didn't say that. I just said the dialogue. It's not like the, the guy that wrote the Nancy Drew books did not write this dialogue. Oh, I'm okay. Um, eh, I'm, yeah. I don't think it's. I don't think it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Personally, as, as you go through the mansion, uh, you there are there are multiple floors, multiple staircases, and you as the navigation at first will be daunting because you could literally look completely spin around the room and it might take you three or four error presses to go all the way around. Yeah. Then you're in the hall and the, I will say the layout of the halls and stuff, they don't make it easy to navigate, especially the upper hall. It's a real pain in the butt. Uh, but you, you'll figure it out. Plus, you'll go to this mansion so many times, it won't be that difficult after you've done it many, many times. 
I was dodged up and down the back staircase like it was going out of style. So as you go through the house, you're going to meet some people that are in the house. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a guy that is an antique dealer that's researching stuff in the library. There's a, there's a sketchy dude that's in this in the basement saloon that's working on stuff down there. Yes, this place has a saloon, and that's and as you go through the game, you're going to find out like uh, it, it, this is what I liked about the game. You okay. find out the history of the house, you, and you're looking in books and stuff. You're actually uncovering clues uh, that give you an idea of what's going on uh, with the house in terms of who owned it, what they were famous for. And then you also are going to find out more contemporary uh, things, like uh, who would gain, who would be uh, 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 getting money if the house were sold or burnt down? Uh, who, like what would be the, who owns what? You know, you, these are none of the stuff you know going in. You have to right. learn all this stuff by talking to people, talking to your friend that owns the house. And as you go through, you really start to build a picture. Now, I'm, I'm going to just play my cards. Also, they, they definitely uh, uh, throw curveball. Right. That red herrings out the walls. Yeah. But I, I'm going to lay my cards on the table with this. I, was, I picked this because it was girl week. And I was like, and I would have never played this in 10 million years. Right. All right. I played this at night for about five hours. I was up too late on Friday. Seriously, I played. I couldn't stop playing it. I really got into it, which is astounding to me. Uh, in fact, I just I can't believe it. I played this more than I played any game this week. I played the crap out of it, and part of the reason I like it is these are. I'm, and I know, yes, it's a girl. It's a kids, girls, kids game. But this was achievable. I finally found the level of mystery that I can enjoy. I could solve these puzzles. They were logical. <laughs> they made sense. When you found stuff, you can figure out what to do with it. Keys fit stuff. Like things I tried work. You know, there's a there's a. Uh, Did you struggle with the floor puzzle? No, I crushed the floor yeah. puzzle. There's a scene. There's a bit in. I don't know how far you played this. I don't know how long you went. Not five hours. I, 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 I in like the third chapter. There's a, in the basement. There's an old piano. And I, once I managed to get into the attic of the place, I found some old uh, music that you need that had these clues on how to play. And then on the, in the library, there was a book that showed you how to play the piano. So I went down to the piano, and you have to type in, you have to hit the right notes to open the piano's back area. where you right. can, And then you could pull out this music. I did all this stuff. I figured it out, man. This was fun. When I hit those notes on that piano and that door opened, I about jumped out of the chair with the light glee. I really had a good time playing this. Despite all the shortcomings, the adventure in this is actually fun, and the story is sort of riveting to me. Uh, I really thought it was great. Does the interface work perfectly? No, but it's good enough. When you need to use one of the things in your inventory, you just go and simply click on it. It drags it onto the screen, and you just do, and you point at what you need to do with it. It's simple. Like if they don't over. It's not overdone. Like, this is all you need to have an adventure game. All the elements are there. It gives you tons of dialogue trees. There's a mystery where the, the, one of the chicks in the house has a seance. You could have to crack yeah. the code. The seance is fake. She's faked it. Why? She admits it, you know. But you is she evil? You don't know. And I haven't beaten the game yet. I'm, I'm still got a ways to go. Allegedly, there's like 20 hours of games. I've, on, I've just finished uh, the fourth chapter. I believe there are eight, I think. Uh, but I have to say, uh, I enjoyed... This was one of the biggest surprises for me personally that I've ever had on this show. Uh, it really got me. What What did you think of it? Well, first of all, 
you, we were talking earlier about types of games I don't like. Yeah. I don't like first-person mystery games. Yeah. Okay? Wow. <laughs> that is really... A, you really zoned in on that. It's well, like, I mean, like Maniac Mansion point-and-clicks, I like those. Yeah. I don't like having... I don't like the flip-screen transitions. I don't like... Uh, uh, Having that first, being locked in that first person perspective, and I don't like being the main character. I would rather control a character. Right. Um. So this game was kind of not for me from the very beginning. Yeah. Um. I personally had some problems with the interface. I think that if you are trying to interact with an item, and at the bottom of the screen, on all the extremes of the screen, are your movements. Uh, and you're trying to interact with something that's towards the bottom of the screen. You have a tendency to turn around instead of interact with your item. Um, I desperately think they needed a way to move that didn't require you to click. It, maybe hold a shoulder button. I don't know. It's I, funny. I'd had, I would I understand what you're saying, but I just... I didn't... Once I, pl- I played it for a long time, you just... After a while, you just you have no problem with moving I, around. I, okay, I, and maybe I didn't play it long enough. But I, I from, so from a um, controls perspective, I this is obviously needs to be a, a mouse driven game or a, or a, a something on the DS where you've got a, a pen that you can just poke and do the things. Make them for a much more enjoyable experience. Uh, I looked at this on the PC as well. And the voice acting is okay. Yeah. I mean, it's way better than Hitman from last week. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if you're going to play this, I think that's probably a better way to play it in a modern times, unless you want to play it on the GBA for its portability. For the game itself, um, this is actually not the first Nancy Drew thing game I've played. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and the other one was... Uh, had a very similar title, but it was released in like uh, 2013 or something. It's a much more modern game. Yeah. Um, so I kind of knew going in to expect just enough intrigue and just enough puzzle to make you think, but not make you frustrated. And I I think they did a good job with That's that. That's it. That's exactly what it yeah. is. Um. I think that this has universal appeal. I think this is... I don't think anyone... I don't think a guy's not going to play this game because it's too marketed towards girls. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you could have caught it Billy Smith's and the haunted message. And you never see your character, number one. So if you've got to hang him about playing a girl, it doesn't matter. Except when you talk on the phone. And secondly, yeah, it, it's just not... I mean, it's... I think it's actually... a a uh, uh, fairly cerebral game. Like, I could unleash, like, Luke on this. This would be a decent game for him to, like, dip his toe in the pool yeah. with this sort of gameplay on. I mean, and the thing is, the guy, the people that make this, they make a lot of these, as we mentioned. Yeah. You know, I wanted to talk about, this is one of the rare times where I've got solid sales numbers to talk about. All right. So, uh, according to PC Data, now, and this is, we're going to talk about the Windows and the GBA version, right? Message in a bottle, message in a haunted mansion, excuse me. Sold, <laughs> yeah, too much police. Send out an SOS. Message in a haunted mansion sold 97,000 units in North America during 2001 and Pretty another 20,000 
units in the first three months of 2002s. Uh, and its sales in the region for the year 2003 were 44,000 units. So it sold a ton. Now, the series as a whole, which up to, the, up to 2004, had sold 1.5 million units. This was a very popular series of Nancy Drew. Now, get this. By 2006, the PC version of this had sold 300,000 copies and earned $5.5 million in the U.S. alone. Uh, Edge Magazine ranked this as the 64th best-selling computer game of the 21st century in August 2006. So this game was actually got over. Yeah. Um, Nancy Drew Computer Games as a whole in that same time period totaled 2.1 million sales in the U.S. Uh, and Edge Magazine declared Nancy Drew a powerful franchise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I looked up some reviews on this as well. Now, we talked about games that are marketed towards certain, uh, you know, genders or whatnot. Right. But at the end of the day... You know, this is a good game. You can set a kid down in front of an adult. And I, it's not just us saying that. So listen to this. This thing uh, was awarded. Uh, it, it, it was a finalist in the Electric Electronic Playground 2001 Best Adventure Games the PC. It, it got a National Parenting Seal of Approval, Parrot's Guide to Children's Media uh, Award, Outstanding Achievement in Computer Programming Award, Amazon.com Best Software of 2000 Award, Kids Domain Golden Bear Award. You know you're pulling something out of your hiding when you do that. Uh, it, uh, the reviews on this thing were pretty good. Now, <clears throat> I will say the PC version reviewed much better. Sure. Uh, the uh, aggregator, game ranking aggregator, gives the PC version of this a 78%, with the GBA version a 64%. Uh, Nintendo Power gave this a 3.6 out of 5. GameZone gave it an 8 out of 10. So these are still pretty, pretty decent yeah, scores. Yeah, but I can above tell you, average. throw the reviews out. Okay, uh, you could play this. If I could sit down and play it, and I went, I, I went in angry going in. I didn't feel like doing it. So if I could angrily sit, I'm serious. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. It's Girl Week. Let's. I'm going to play Nancy Drew. I wasn't exactly licking my chops. All right, on the Game Boy. If I can go in and enjoy this, it's a. I think it's a good game. That's my litmus test. Did you know Nancy Drew going in? I knew. Yeah, I knew who she was. Oh yeah, she okay. grew okay. up with that crap. Uh, just the FYI, if you're looking to pick this up, uh, this was odd to me. The loose carts are going for thirteen bucks, right? Uh, the PC uh, complete in box version you can get for seven bucks, cheap. Wow! Some people were going crazy and trying to get the complete in box GBA version. I saw about twenty of these things go for hundred and ten bucks or more. I couldn't figure out what was going wow. on, but I looked around and people were landing these things for twenty five bucks, complete yeah. box. So if you're looking to get a copy, it's there to get. But I mean, like I said, overall, I found this to be a winner. Yeah, and yeah. I enjoyed it. It's funny because I was talking to uh, when I picked this, I was talking to our good buddy Rushi, and he had already played this. If you can believe it, and he and he apparently he's a big Nancy Drew guy as well, so they're out there, you know, if, if the, to uh, to find. I think we got some reviews here. Let's have a quick look. Uh, I I didn't think so, but maybe. may not. So no one, I don't blame people for not taking the time. I will say, Rushi said it was a, he thought it was good. So there you go. We got the review. I guess that's <laughs> it. Uh, but uh, Brent, your final thoughts? You like? Um, you know, like I said, not my type of game. Um, I, I, I prefer a third-person perspective when I'm doing my, my puzzly adventures. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, this is good. If Mist and Seventh Guest and those type of games are too brain-burning for you, and, and not, the, not in a bad way, not being negative, I'm just saying if you don't want to go through that kind of adventure, but you still want to have a decent adventure and a fun time, I think this is a good alternative to those type of games. Absolutely, and if you're into the Nancy Drew books, I will say this is loosely based on a book of this of I think the same name. Yeah. So uh, uh, you can always correct. read the story. But although I've, I've I've read that it's a different a different word. Sure, sure. So with all that said, that was my game for the ladies. Yep. Now Brent, to say you went in a different, more controversial direction would be an understatement. Tell the people what you picked for girl games. Uh, this week. Well, we had a, when this spun, and I went back to watch the footage, and apparently we this was after the show footage. We were talking, and I said, asked you what you thought of Pac-Man as being a girl, a, a female uh, design for design game for a female, and you said no, and you said, I said, well, what about Miss Pac-Man? And you reluctantly said yes. Yep, I, okay. I, I echo that sentiment. So I was like, you know what? In the back of my head, I remember this differently. So I went to on a search, and I found out, lo and behold, Pac-Man, the game I'm reviewing, absolutely was made for the female audience. And we're going to get into it because there's a few things that I think have been twisted by history. Um, and it, it the story you have, or the story you know, is probably related to where you live in the world. Uh, because it has a very different tell each time. So let's get over, let's go run down the particulars real quick. Uh, this, of course, was a Namco game for the arcades back in 1980. Uh, it was designed by a single person, and I'm going to butcher this name. I'm so sorry because you're instrumental to video games. Toro Anto Iwatani. Yeah, there you go. That's what he said. <clears throat> and let me tell you something. Brilliant guy. A little history on him. He actually uh, joined Namco wanting to make pinball machines. One problem. Namco doesn't make pinball machines. So so he was like... Wow, and they let this guy program games? <laughs> so he was like, huh. Well, I'm already here. I guess I'll do video games. Yeah. And one of his first video games was a, was a digital pinball machine breakout clone. So, kind of funny starts right Did off the bat. Did he ever get to do a pinball machine? Uh, n- no. Oh, At least not with Namco. Did he work on Baby Pac-Man or, Miss, or Mr. and Miss Pac-Man? No, but I'll get into that <laughs> a, just a little bit. So, <clears throat> he took a look at the arcade scene. Well, let's go over what Pac-Man is. Pac-Man is a maze-based game uh, where you are uh, in control of Pac-Man, which is a yellow sphere with a waka waka mouth that goes up and down, and you are tasked with going through a maze, eating up all the dots while avoiding the ghost. Uh, and then you can get power ups that are available in each corner. That when you eat them, you're able to eat the ghost. I mean, for those, if someone's here that doesn't know what Pac Man is, go play it. It's a fantastic game. It's part of history. Uh, and also, you are literally one of the only people on Earth that doesn't know what Pac Man is. So let's see what Pac-Man is in regard to our subject today, Aaron. Pac-Man, Namco was sitting in their, their ivory towers over in Japan, 
And they were like, hey, there's a lot of stuff in the arcade. You know, we've got our Space Invaders. we got uh, our Blockout clones. Uh, what we don't have is any games for females. And <clears throat> they went to, to Toru and said, listen, we need this type of game. And a quote from his book was, when you think about things women like, you think about fashion or fortune telling or food or dating boyfriends. Wait a minute. Fortune telling? This is a quote from him. This okay. is a quote from his book. When you think about things women like, you think about fashion or fortune telling or food or dating boyfriends. So he's decided to theme the game around eating. After eating dinner, women like to have dessert. That is the basis of what came what eventually became Pac-Man. That is straight from his book, a quote from his book. Um so going into this, this is a very in my opinion twisted view of what a woman would like in a video game. Okay? Would you agree with that just from that quote you've heard? I mean, I like dessert. Do you also like boyfriends? Clearly, I like fashion, fashion fortune telling, and dating and, and a, dating a, boyfriends. A little bit. You know, <laughs> I mean, not the boyfriends part, but I, you know, fortune telling. I'm down. So, with that in mind, he started looking at foods, and you know the whole the the famous story that he looked at pizza and there was a slice missing out of it, and that's why he got his. That's not totally true. In fact, it's not even a, a little bit true. The uh, I'm going to mess this up too. The kanji symbol for mouth in Japan almost looks like a square uh, or a rectangle. Okay, that is actually where he got his inspiration, and he said that he rounded that out, and then. Uh, it made a pow pow is like a munch, like we would think saying like munch, munch, munch. And that is what he envisioned when he was making Pac-Man, was that noise off that rounded mouth symbol that they use for mouth in Japan. The pizza thing actually came a little bit later. Um, they, although he, he does say uh, if you take <clears throat> a pizza and remove one piece, it looks like a mouth. That's where my idea came from. But he has contradicted he contradicts himself later by saying that it's actually the Japanese symbol for mouth that he has rounded into a circle and then put a cut into. So those are a few things most people have different opinions on, but he says both. Um, now, Pac-Man over in Japan did not do as well as it did here in America. Uh, they, mar they had it in a white cabinet which is not odd for Japan, and they put a sticker on the side, a very tame sticker. And one of the things that Taru wanted to do with Pac-Man is he didn't want the enemies to, to be intimidating. He wanted them to be uh, cute and, 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 and soft and cuddly, because that was a big thing that was going through Japan at the time. That is why he designed the ghost to be not scary, but something more appealing. He was trying to appeal to that 
female audience. So <coughs> it seems to me it's scarier to be killed by something cuddly and cute. <laughs> uh, also, the the when Pac-Man dies, the the <coughs> excuse me, that what they were going for was more like a, a womp womp, you know, more like a oh well type sound, and that's why the sound of when Pac-Man unfurls and explodes has that cute kind of tune with it. Because they, like I said, they were marking this towards uh, women and and teens. We'll get into that in a second. So they wanted to have this as soft as possible. It was not to be violent. It was not to be scary. It was not to be loud and in your face. It was a game about eating. That's what they wanted to, to push. In Japan... They had all white cabinets with stickers uh, on the side, and when they put it in their test audience, you know, <coughs> they saw that they were getting some of that female audience that they would that they were shooting for. They would actually see um, men go to one game, and the women kind of gravitate towards Pac-Man. But Pac-Man in Japan was not a huge success. It wasn't a flop, I'm not saying that, but it wasn't a huge success. <clears throat> and it almost didn't come to America. When it came to America, Namco didn't give them any specific instructions or anything like that. They just said, here you go. Well, America Americanized the crap out of the cabinet. They painted it yellow. They put that horrific Pac-Man art, like, strange art on the side with, with, the, with the feet with the stretched out ghost and everything yeah. and that one reason why they did that was they were try I don't want to say they were trying to make the game masculine but they were trying to tone down the feminism of it they were trying they were trying to give it that edge which the yellow cabinet and that the weird Pac-Man look definitely does it definitely takes it out of a a soft game and gives it more of an edge Fast forward a little bit because we have to go. We have to go forward before we can go back. <clears throat> Miss Pac-Man was the Americanized version of trying to make the game more appealing to women, because Namco didn't make uh, Miss Pac-Man. Right. Neither did Midway. Right. It was actually a ROM hack that uh, they settled with Midway to stay out of court, and it was. It used to be a little guy with feet, like on the cabinet. And Midway was like, no, we're not doing that. We need to gear this more towards female. They already like the game. You know, the wrong heck, it makes it a little harder, makes the mazes different, but we're trying to gear it more towards female because we're already it's already heading that direction. So that was sort of North America's take to make the game more feminine. So why did Midway do this? It was actually the same reason that Pac-Man in Japan did it. They had two problems with arcades. <clears throat> Obviously, they didn't get, they didn't have the female audience that they wanted. It, arcades were obviously a more <coughs> male-dominated space. But also, they were not getting teen boys in the numbers they thought they could. And what they wanted to do with Pac-Man was pull the teen 
female audience in because their plan was if they get the teen female audience, the male audience will follow them. And they wanted to make it a hangout place. They wanted arcades to be a hookup place, sort of like a bar that you would go to and, and you you wouldn't just go there to play games. You'd go there to, to hang out with your friend and to have relationships and have it be a social aspect, even though Pac-Man was a single-player game virtually. I mean, I, I know it had swaps, but whatever. So, when Miss Pac-Man came out, the... Coin Ops of America tried to do the exact same thing. And if you go back and you look at Coin Op magazines at this time, <clears throat> they're encouraging people to put Miss Pac-Man into arcades because they wanted to take away the stigma of arcades being this dark, male-dominated place because the media was saying, these are too dangerous for our children. So they used Miss Pac-Man, a game that was already targeted towards females, and with the success of Pac-Man, to try to drive the industry to get more teens, female teens and moms, to soften the image, images of arcades of the time. It's crazy, but it's all true. It's all true. It's crazy. So, Pac-Man, is it a good game? Of course it's a good game. It made a, a iconic character that will forever be known through the adults of time. Was it marketed towards females? Absolutely. Because they wanted to get females into the arcades. It, Japan, for sure. right? And when it came over here, America tried to do the same thing, but with Miss Pac-Man, because they made Mac... Pac-Man more masculine by changing the cabinet and all that good stuff, but then they were like, crap, well, let's just do it with Miss Pac-Man. They wanted to bring in women and teen girls because they wanted to bring in the male crowd. It's insane, but it's all true. Aaron, what do you think of Pac-Man as a female game? Well, before the show, we had a little discussion about this, a calm discussion. A rational discussion about my displeasure with this choice. Uh huh. All right, now I have heard your shtick. All it's right. not a shtick. It's all your, true. I've heard your gimmick. It's not all a right. gimmick. It's all true. And I'm not. I'm, and I'm not going to dispute it. I suppose. I mean, first of all, here's a newsflash for the Japanese people uh, that were making this game to market it toward women. Yes. What's the name of the game? Is it Pack? Women? Is it Pack Girl? No. What's it called, Brent? What's it, what's it called? Technically, it was Puck Man over there. Okay, it, but what's what's the constant here? <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. I so know. When you say, when I say, look, Brent, it's Games for Girls Week. You pick the game that has man <laughs> in the title, Aaron. I okay? bring you back to the previous quote. I heard what you said. You don't have to previously quote it again. Well, I, what I'm saying is. These people weren't fully in touch of what was going on, or maybe they were. Now, secondly, they were more competent, competent than I was in 1980. I would have been three. Listen, I can't dispute the possibility that they made this game targeted toward women. Okay? They absolutely did. Okay, now, I have it in black and I white. will dispute their ability to understand what women want. I can't help that. <laughs> because th th there is no aspect of this game 
that is that screams woman or man or it does scream man. It's Pac Man, right? Okay, is it a violent game? I mean, sorta. I don't know. Kind of, Pac Man gets killed. Is it better to be killed by something cute? I contend no. I don't agree with the fact that it's contend. Was this ever marketed towards women in the U.S.? Because we're not in Japan. The answer is no. Um, a solid no. No. Pac-Man was not. And then they realized what they had on their hands and said, dang, let's get onto some of that. And that's why they pushed Mrs. Miss Pac-Man to be what it was. They took away the legs. Well, they made the ghost cute again. They wanted it to be a sequel targeting women. So uh, here's what More gonna, targeting women. Here's what I'm going to say, number one. Pac-Man, iconic game. I'm more of a fan of the second one, but when this came out, it was a big deal. You were obsessed with it as a kid. As a young been, child, yeah, you, were, been you three, were, before so. you remember it, you, yeah. I know you were obsessed with it. I agree. Brent had every Pac-Man thing you could have in his room. Pac-Man curtains, bedspread, Pac-Man breakfast table, everything Pac-Man. Pac-Man rug. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we played time. Pac-Man, the board game, on this very table. Yes, we have. Okay, so technically <laughs> we covered Pac-Man. But <laughs> Pac-Man the flamethrower! I will not... I will not say, because I can't with any assuredness, that this was not, in a twisted, backhanded, dumb guy way, uh, mar- allegedly marketed toward women. Okay, yes. I'll, I'll grant you that. Yes. However, okay. I will contend that you've pulled what I like to call the Brent Maneuver, as it will now be known, where you take a pretty straightforward category and then do the most bass-ackward, goofiest, silliest, wackiest thing you can do to distort the, the piece on the on the pie. Distort. This is the same thing you did for the Halloween episode when you picked The Simpsons Hit and Run. And totally, the same, totally and the same thing the you did when we had funny games and you picked Battle Chess. It's a okay? funny game. These are dumb picks by no. a dumb guy. No, that's... that's Okay, you know what? I will give... I will I'll justify you... With uh, uh, you're justifying me. Yeah, finally, it's happened. With battle chess, it was not a good pick for a funny game. Although I found the game very funny, but this you can't have a game more marketed towards women than a game that was marketed towards women. Also, it's just we all know about Pac-Man. For God's sake, so did you know that story of Pac-Man? I did not know that. Okay, story. all right, fair enough then. So. There you go. I don't think we've got any reviews on this either, amazingly. Well, it's Pac-Man, you know. The, the, That's not the important since part. Since we're talking about Pac-Man, let's, let's divert this for a split right. second. Um, what is your favorite home version of the pack? Do you have, just to talk about the actual game itself, do you have a favorite version that you played? Well, here's the funny thing. My favorite version of Pac-Man is Miss Pac-Man. Right. <laughs> there are very... Very, very few versions of Miss Pac-Man in the home market because when all that went down, there was tons of lawsuits with Miss Pac-Man, right? Because Namco did not know that uh, that Midway and the people who made Miss Pac-Man were doing what they were doing. Yeah, they didn't know, and when they found out, they were furious. So there was lawsuits and all this stuff. And the lawsuit read that you could not produce anything Namco produced that was a coin-operated game that had Miss Pac-Man in it from like 1985 on. They had to pay royalties for. 
And it also said, in a, just a mad lucky break, any electronically delivered games that have Miss Pac-Man, they also have to pay royalties for. To Namco. To, no, oh. Namco has to pay it oh, to the I other think. people. Oh, no kidding. So, I think they were, what they called General Instruments or something like that? The guy that made the Pac-Man pack. Uh, I, it, wasn't it General something? That seems, I'm trying to amuse myself. Yes, it was an MIT group. Um, shoot, I'm, I've read their names probably a hundred times. It is funny, why you're fooling around there is the fact that uh, for girls, mar- games marketed for girls, you didn't even pick the girly pack? No, because <laughs> no, because Pac-Man was the original game to be focused on girls. I know. <laughs> so anyway... To answer your question, Miss Pac-Man's my favorite, but since there are no good versions of that for the home market because they'd have to pay royalties, funny thing about that, the way Namco got around the arcade thing, because when they released like the 30th or 25th anniversary, they had Miss Pac-Man in it, not coin-operated. You could only slide cards to coin up. They took them to court. They took them to court. They said, listen, Judge, coin-operated was the term of the day to refer to video games. Yeah. The judge was like, listen, it says coin operated. This thing doesn't have a coin slot. You don't get your money. What an angle. What an angle. You, exactly. By the way, thanks to Bajaco, General Computer Corporation, GCC. Yeah. So there you go. Bunch of MIT kids quit college so they can make all those hack boards. Any, Amazing story in itself. Any final thoughts you want to throw down here on the pack? This was so much fun to research. Um, the, the book... Uh, if I can find it real quick, the title of this book, uh, I can't, uh, I can't find it real quick, uh, but the, the quote that that was from is from an Atari age book, but I can't find the actual name of the book. Um, there are, are many documentaries about this on YouTube but no, and mo- a lot of them cover how uh, Pac-Man was made to to appeal to the female audience. But none of them go. F- all of them have pieces of the puzzle, but none of them put it together quite like this. Talking about uh, the American influence and the the switch over to Miss Pac-Man, all that stuff. Uh, but I use tons of resources out there. If you want to learn more, there's plenty of ways to do it. This is the now. This is the ipso facto show. No, it's not. Pac Man was for the women. Oh no, that yeah. I mean, everyone knew that though. You know, because I, of eating. I enjoyed my week of girls' games uh, for the Nancy Drew game, and the fact that I've played Pac Man dozens of times, so it was an easy touch. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's time to get the hell out of this category before we're tied up and killed. Grab the old school wheel. All and let's right. Try again. I don't know what to say about you this week. Probably uh, best left unsaid. What, we did, what did you add? added to the retro slot pack-in games. And for the new slot, we've got Arcade Bootlegs by Pajaka. Hey, I can play Miss Pac-Man. Oh, God, but you just rolled spin it. Well, look at that colorful one you got there. Okay, here we go. Crank it up. <laughs> you knocked over your soda. <laughs> That's what happens when you spin too hard. Look, that, that piece was coming out. What is this? Wonder Swan, black and white. Wonder Swan. By black. Hermes. Is what is on tap for Hermes. next week. You said it's on Hermes? Hermes. Hermes. Sorry, I watched some Futurama last night. Man, the wheels are coming off literally. 
Wonder Swan. Black and white. Thank you, Hermes, <laughs> for, for suggesting that one. Uh, so, you know, you own a black and white Wonder Swan. Yes. And I'm assuming you're going to dig that up and bring it over next week for the show. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. That'll be great. I don't, I, I, I probably will not pick one of the games I have for it, though. Yeah, because we already covered that game. <laughs> that's, that's right. Knucklehead. So, well, the other one is an RPG in Japanese that I can't read. What's going on this week? Anything you want to talk to the people about before we take the same to the house? Uh, well, I guess we have to mention Boat Fest for the, for the <laughs> you 8 million times. don't have to. Well, I mean, it is coming up, and it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. Uh, tickets are still on sale in yep. limited numbers. Um, we got the fire marks last, and that's what's that, what the heck's going on. We're BoatFest.info, uh, <clears throat> is yes. that correct? Uh, yeah. If you want tickets. It's funny, last night I was on TSI, the Teen Speaker Regular, so you were there briefly. And there were tons of people in there that coming to Boat Fest. The yeah. TSI crew is going to be in full force at this. I was talking to Level Lord last night. Uh, he's going to be down. Laurent Giroux, Mr. Cola was on. He's coming down uh, to uh, Boat Fest. Oh, Ron. we got a lot of people uh, coming in. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of big-time streamers there uh, as well. So that'll be that'll be kind of, uh, kind of fun with Jack Flack. He'll be there, of course, myself, you, and the boat. We'll be there. It's all going down uh, in Hurricane. I believe the date on that is June. Can you tell me the date? 24th and 25th. There you go. June 24th, 25th. Uh, please uh, check BoatFest.info for more information or for ticket availability. Um, anything else you got cooking this week? I think we're done. I think that's it. So next week, it's going to be a little Wonder Swan action. Lord only knows what he's picking for this one. I'm afraid to even ask. Uh, what's good? It's probably the only color game released to the Wonder Swan Black and White somehow. You have to put on special glasses. We'll see you guys uh, next week. Uh, and until then, please uh, drag out some girl games and give them a shot. You may be surprised. Adios, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. A special thank you to Death and Styles for our vector style graphics and Bartfit for our amazing music. Would you like to help keep ARG spinning? You can do so at patreon.com slash ARG Presents. Just like these fine folks. Dryerlet, 17. Laron Garut. Templar Mar. Z9K9. Jerry Dennington. John Dykeman. Retroalogy. Airshack. Texas Foosballer. Sundown. O'Rom. Super Tech Boy. David Terrence. Mr. B. Roushy. Ram. W. Fetke. Dave. Velociraptor. Bernhardt Lucas, Steve Rasmussen, Anthony Jarvis, Bitter Blitter, Pajaco 6502, Kevin Bean, Andy Jones, Andy Craig, Rob Flack O'Hara, Jason Warns, Mitsuyama, Chris Foles, Frodo Edel, The Slow Norris, Terry Howard, Olaf Hope, and Rolo. They all have access to our Discord channel, their name called out in the credits, and visualized in the ending scene. Have an idea for a wheel piece? You can send it to us at argpresents at mail.com.